Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What's going on, everybody? It's episode 94 tonight. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful Monday night. Um, I feel bad because I'm not actually in studio anymore. I'm down in Virginia at my own studio that is yet to be fully built. But want to quickly say happy Father's Day to everyone out there that is a father and a fan of the show. We really appreciate you tuning in. And uh, Evan's in studio with me tonight. Ben is in studio with me tonight. Matt, though, is not in studio with us tonight because Matt is on vacation and everyone deserves a nice little vacation every so often. So he's out with his whole family out on vacation. But don't worry, Evan and I are going to kind of bring the show in the way that we would want to do it. You know, now that we don't have Matt here kind of controlling everything, we get to do it our own way. And Benny's going to jump in every so often. And I don't know, Ben, what kind of background you got going on tonight? I have Matt's background. Wow. What a guy. Yeah. (laughs) That's about it. I'm the I'm the head pilot now. Yeah. But hey, anyways, everybody, we have an insane amount of stuff to talk about. We got match play championships. We got some eight tiers going on in New England this weekend. We've got a really cool day in Boston sports. Um, some awesome things were happening this past week. And then Evan, Evan, am I missing anything? I think we got a pretty cool guest on coming tonight. Yeah, we got Joel Freeman coming on later. He took down a match play in MPO. And did you mention Yarva is back? Yarva is back, baby. Yeah. But this is episode 94 presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Ben, what's the deal with Cosmic? So, CosmicDG.com for all your used new this Tune in. Presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Awesome. Hey, and fun there fact right here. Me and Ben have been on the past two episodes. Nick, this is your first one in the last two episodes. Matt's not on. I know, right? So, we got the majority on total episodes. Yep. Yep. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. No, you definitely do. I uh, I was traveling last week. I was at Beaver State Fling. I'm sure you guys talked about my horrendous performance. Horrendous, um, uh, just kidding. by your standards was, and no one yeah, else's. It was a very. I don't even actually know what my last round was rated. I actually never even looked at it. But um, I will say this: my putting feels absolutely incredible. Um, I'm just confident as ever when it comes to putting just backhands off the tee are just not my best friend right now which if you want to compete at big events you need to have a great forehand backhand and a great putter right now i have one and a half of those i would say and speaking of those three characteristics did you see who took down an a tier by 10 strokes up in vermont 10 freaking strokes i actually texted him when i was out in oregon saying yo you know casey and market you guys want to get a practice run at beaver state fling he's like nah we're in north dakota right now driving back to mass i was like dang you lucky bastards i was just out there but yeah casey white playing at what he would always label as his favorite course he says it's like the home course that's not his home course he just absolutely loves the place um i think the last time he played the bruce ridge open he lost by one stroke i think it came down to the final hole so i know this year going back to it he wanted some revenge he wanted to make sure that he did get this win This was also a GMC qualifier event so that the winner of, I think, the MPO division and the FPO division both got um, invites. And then I think the best Vermont player for the MPO division and the FPO division both were awarded invites to the Green Mountain Championships, which, as everyone knows at this point, is a playoff event this year. So, Evan, I'm sure you've done a little bit of research, but shout out to Casey. Let's talk about it real quick. Yeah, actually. Oh, man, I didn't pull it up. But um on twitter someone uh added stat man and gave us some great uh highlights into casey white's um uh 
tournament, this was the second highest event rating of his career. So uh, getting a 10-stroke win, um, I think that was incredible. Um, oh, man, I did not have this ready. But uh, <laughs> he his current rating is 1022, and he shot 1046 this weekend. And so that's by uh, at GPZ95. Um, thought that was pretty cool. Um, and on top of that, it's his highest event rating in Vermont of his career. So mm-hmm. his home away from home showed up mm-hmm. this weekend to his home away from home and took it down in big, uh, big style. So back in 2018, the PDGA World Championships were actually held in Vermont. And I remember, let's see, Casey got 28th place at it, which was absolutely filthy. And I'm pretty sure he had one of the hot rounds. And I want to say it was round. Oh, maybe he didn't have a hot one, round. One, two, three, or four. He had, no, because there was five back then. Uh, I know I know he had one. he had one really good round at, oh, so he had the fifth best round round three actually by one show he was one stroke off the hot round he shot a 1067 rated round on fox run back in 20 or bruce ridge gold it says all right anyways one of the two beautiful courses 2018 yeah both beautiful courses it's easily my favorite disc golf complex in the world i love going there i was bummed i couldn't make it to the event this year but winning by 10 strokes is absolutely insane um you can see players like harry chase i won a big b tier actually in massachusetts couple weeks ago he took what did you say ben a 14 on the final hole and so honestly it's insanely easy to do especially if you're just not feeling it and you're a little ticked off you just keep throwing out of bounds right and i'm sure that's probably what happened but um absolutely insane by casey to shoot that well at that event i know the weather was a little off and something that evan and i were talking about just before you know we got onto the show was the ratings were actually kind of insane casey shot seven down on round two which was played on brewster it was 1066 rated and then on round three he shot four down which was 1058 rated on fox run gold so you can just you know enjoy you can say what you want about the ratings and they're you can say the fluky hit or miss we were looking at last year's gmc would you say a 51 was 1064 rated or 1062 yeah, rated pretty much on the brewster? same rating for three strokes um better mm-hmm. so this one was playing mm-hmm. kind of three strokes worse if that makes sense yeah so I guess at that point, you can kind of bring in the field strength. Obviously, there's a lot of players that, you know, if they're shooting bad, they could be shooting potentially really bad. Let's say like the 970, the 960, the 950 rated players um, kind of pumping up that score, which is a huge propagator. And then Casey's shooting so well. And what seemed like bad conditions, I heard it was cold, it was windy, you know, which is not fun to play in. It's not a great time. We're but. getting in the summer. I'm like... Yeah, I'm, I'm ready and not that, and ready for this hot weather. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be 90 Dude, want, soon, and I'm going to be like, ah, I need a pool. Look, I want 95 degrees every day. I want to sweat. I want to play disc golf in it. It's amazing. But anyway, shout out to Casey. Incredible tournament. Shout out to Sandy Hendel. She won the FPO division by seven strokes, taking home $445. Casey actually took home $1,370. Um, so $1,370, which is pretty awesome. Good for him. And then a lot of notable players were at that event. Steve Brinster, Craig Cutler, uh, Marky Chapelonis. He got fourth place at it. And then just some players that local New England talent, pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Once again, shout out to Casey for that win. Awesome. And then we'll bring in. So after that, let's actually thank those who are helping support the show. We're going to start off by one of our long-term sponsors that we've had for a while now, Hemfield Botanicals. So Hempfield Botanicals is a CBD company. They've been with us. Actually, they were with us for a lot of shows last year. They've re-upped their sponsorship with us, which is pretty incredible because 
they hooked us up with some CBD products. We've got the salve, we've got the lotion, we've got chapstick, which I say it every single week, but the chapstick is always my favorite. I've actually gotten multiple tubes of it. My girlfriend loves it. I know people love it in general, especially when the weather's about to get hot, your lips are about to get a lot more chapped. Chapstick is amazing. And then I actually played 27 holes of golf yesterday. Was just really feeling like I wanted to play a lot of golf. Couple muscles that I don't normally use in my life were a little sore today, especially for my back. And so right when I woke up this morning, I put salve on a couple different areas in my back. And I feel great. I'm ready to do a two-hour show tonight with you guys. Yep, and use tw- uh, use code Nick and Matt for twenty uh, percent off your order. That is no joke either. Yep. That is a great deal. Uh, head over there and get some awesome product. Twenty percent off, no joke, guys. Pretty incredible. So thank you to Hempfield Botanicals. Hope you guys can enjoy it just like we do here at the Nick and Matt Show. And I think now we shouted it out at the beginning of the show, but Yarva Disc Golf is back. Now, it's not the Yarva Disc Golf that I think we saw back, let's say, the 2014 European Masters, but we had an incredible event over at Yarva. It was a European Pro Tour, which I think is kind of their Disc Golf Pro Tour over on the European stage. Am I correct saying that, Evan? Yeah, it's a a new Pro Tour. Um, I mean, there's been ones in the past. There's actually (sighs) used to be something called the European Pro Tour that is uh, no longer running. There's the uh, Euro Tour, I believe which is the PG, PDGA's tour over there. There's also like the Prodigy Disc Pro Tour, which is a Finland-only one. A lot of good tours out there. European Pro Tour is coming in swinging this year with some awesome events. Uh, this is the second one of the year being Yarva. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think one of the interesting things, we'll get into the winners in just a second, but Thomas Gilbert of Canada has played all season over here in the United States. He is over there for the next six or so weeks through the European Open playing events Every single week or almost every single week going up to that event where most players are going to go over just for a week or two. He's already there playing events, hitting this scene. I think that's super awesome. He finishes seventh this weekend. So that tells you what it's at. It's also no joke to to win events over there. It's a great field. Um, and getting into the winners. I, and here's the favorite part of the show for many people. Me trying to pronounce European names. But Newt. Valen Holland takes it down by two strokes over Nicolas Santilla. Uh, we saw both of those in the United States most of the year, um, but Newt gets the victory over an FPO. We all know her. Kristen Tatar takes down the victory. It wasn't as easy as you'd think. This field didn't have Evelina Salonen, didn't have Hannah Blomroos, didn't have Heidi Lane or uh, Katie Tati. Uh, but Kristen Tatar was still in second place going to the final round, was down three strokes, uh, seven strokes, swing in the final round to win by four strokes taking it down her last event in europe before heading back to the united states because she will be at the preserve this coming weekend now did she win the preserve last year yes i believe she won it in convincing fashion if i remember correctly that's what i thought 12 strokes yeah exactly so i know kristen had taken a little bit of time off um leading up to this european event she went back to her home country was hanging out there for a bit came back like we said, it wasn't a win in a dominating fashion, but at the same time, if you're down three strokes to start around, you end up winning it by four strokes, kind of that seven stroke win. I think that's a huge confidence boost of, you know, you still got it. You still got that kind of clutch gene in it. And one of the things that we did actually notice, Evan especially noticed it, was she was wearing an arm sleeve. And Evan, you've got a little details on that. Go ahead and yeah, give it to I, us. I'm going to call it elbow watch or, or something catchy like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, she was, she was. The injury watch list. That's what we need to have. Like every single week, I get an injury watch list for the Celtics when they were playing. Now yeah. we just got to do it for disc golf. Probable, questionable, what's going on. Yeah, and I saw a comment. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on your name, but I, I, I want to give thanks. But he went up and talked to Silver after the round. Um, and Silver was kind of giving info on what was going on and said that Kristen's just 
dealing with some pain in her right elbow. I think it was kind of constant, but very slight. Uh, and so she's just trying to take it easy, but wearing the sleeve helps her out uh, during the rounds. And you see that with a lot of players nowadays. I mean, Simon kind of, I think was the notable one dealing with this uh, elbow injury, but he's not the only one nowadays. I feel like there's, you know, a dozen or so players wearing arm sleeves and Chris Tatar is just the newest one of those to join the club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think anything to kind of if if you have that injury, and I, I don't know if you mentioned it, you might have. I was looking at, I was trying to actually find who posted it. I can't find it in our text messages, but um, you know, it's something where Silver had said it's not getting worse by her throwing on it, and so I think especially with that arm sleeve, compression sleeve, I don't really know exactly what you call them, elbow sleeve. Um, and if that's helping her out to where she can still play at a high level, then all the power to her is. I think she's a smart enough person. If it's something really serious, she's going to take some time off for it, but hopefully. I obviously I want to see Kristen back on that big stage here in the States playing these massive elite series events that we have going on this year. I think it's just more fun to watch those elite series when Kristen's in contention, battling it out with all the other best FBO players in the world. Yeah. So pretty awesome to see European or excuse me, Yarba Disc Golf kind of back on the map. I'm excited to watch a little bit of coverage from that when I get some time. Um, shout out to Newt. That's an awesome win, taking home twenty eight hundred dollars. Something that we actually kind of got away from that we used to love. And I think one of the staples of the Nick and Matt show was doing the cash per throw. I think we should probably bring that back, especially yeah, I because got it for you. Whoa. Oh, you got the cash for throw. There we go. We haven't yeah. been talking about it lately. So he, my uh, man over here every single week probably has this and we haven't been bringing it up, but yeah. cash per throw well, is always something that I thought was a pretty awesome stat. When I look at it, I've maybe made four or $5 cash per throw. And I think that's pretty cool. When someone throws me just quick little Abraham Lincoln, $5 bill just for throwing a disc. <laughs> and these people are making 20 to 30 to 40 maybe even 50 dollars i forget exactly i think uh, jeremy colling still has a record but no i'm pretty sure that got beat oh man beat i'll, I'll prepare that for next yeah, week yeah we have to we have to go back yeah uh, yeah we'll have to do that so. yeah because there's been because that was also from standard events and yep. i, I want to yep. say i want to say usdgc last year or worlds this year something beat it i i forget we can get into that later though but uh newt uh took down 17 dollars and 85 cents per throw uh kristen for winning an fpo was only five dollars and 95 cents per throw i mean an interesting point which i'm gonna very off uh kind of go off the cash per throw for a second here is uh for a lot of european events uh mpo and fpo play from the same tees and also from the same mm -hmm. pars which is really interesting i think it's I think it's a really interesting topic to dive into more about, you know, kind of perfecting layouts for both mm -hmm. divisions, uh, not just doing it for one division and not the other or kind of blending the two divisions together. Um, so for this one, you see the women getting a lot um, higher throw counts, also less payments um, compared to field size and whatnot. Um, but yeah, do, doing a few others, Nicholas Antila with $11.68 per throw. Uh, Thomas Gilbert uh, took down... $865, which was came out to $5 and three cents per throw. Now I'm kind of curious on this. And I know someone was saying in the chat, they'd love that Thomas is going over to this event right now, but what do we think? Do you think Thomas is kind of getting a little advantage competing over in the European stage at the moment? Or do you think every event is different? It's kind of like, you know, do we think it's necessary going over for that long? I mean, obviously it's kind of a trip in and of itself of being able to go overseas and do all these events. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think it's an advantage for him going over so early? Advantage is an interesting topic. Uh, I mean, coming over the European Open, if you told, if you, if you said, what are the chances Thomas wins it? Uh, I, I would say pretty, pretty low. I'm going to be honest. I, mm -hmm. I, I think there's a lot of good players who are still going to make the trip over. I mean, Paul Macbeth notably uh, likes the European Open. Um, mm -hmm. 
but he's yeah he usually does pretty well at that one yeah and so if you're if i'm i'm not going to go out on a limb and say i think thomas gilbert's going to win or have a better chance at winning the whole thing but now does thomas gilbert have a better chance of finishing top 10 i think absolutely that's true uh just getting comfortable over there really getting the feel of all the european players i mean even probably just playing on a card where maybe you're the only english speaker like that can probably Mm -hmm. be like just a new experience that you're not used to i mean just counting up scores can probably just be a little extra Mm -hmm. mental drain and so he just has that extra experience and um i I mean yarva kind of felt like the course kind of feels similar to european open uh i mean the kind of like the finish area it's all uh, this was in sweden um but uh they have a lot of like open wooded shots and i think there's some of the best uh disc golf course in the world i'm not the only one who thinks that um but that kind of style that you're constantly playing where you kind of hit a tight gap but then you kind of have more of an mm-hmm. open landing zone but then you got to get specific to get your approach in and i i just think it's really beautiful golf and i think that yeah him just getting used to that can't hurt him no oh absolutely not and i think one of the big things that people are saying right now is kind of like you're getting rid of that jet lag obviously you're going to be over there for a little while so you shouldn't be experiencing with that too much but I'm, i will say thomas is kind of doing an insane amount of traveling i mean just at memorial day weekend he was up competing and i think one in eight yeah he won in eight here out in canada then he comes back for the portland open he comes back for the resistance discs uh excuse me the beaver state fling and then now he's all the way you know he's across the pond playing at the yarva open and i think one thing to kind of mention this isn't you know and i said this before this isn't the yarva that we used to see i think they had to do a little bit of a redesign i do think that yarva is still in the stage of it's potentially going to be a course that will be no longer um i think eventually the whole course will get taken down but for now they're still playing it so pretty awesome i mean that used to be one of my favorite tournaments to watch way back in the day on post coverage was the uh, european masters i think just that man that european style of golf is just cool um one of the things that we like we're going to kind of talk about course design later but it's kind of like six wide open holes six moderately wooded holes slash open holes and then you got six tightly wooded holes i mean a lot of european courses are like that and the way that they shape their fairways and stuff through their trees is is pretty awesome so i think that's I think it's cool for Thomas going over to that event. Um, I mean, we've seen New and Niklas over here in the States not performing to the highest, I think, capability that they wanted to over here, but still going back over, playing incredible disc golf, making some good money with it, and uh, I guess being closer to their homes. Um, So I think this is pretty cool. We've got some awesome Elite Series events coming up too, and then, you know, over the pond yeah we've got some incredible european events coming up as well yeah and just to quickly preview what thomas's schedule is he's playing the nokia open this weekend uh then he's playing the baltic disc golf championships he's playing the toonie open then the pcs sula open and then the european open before coming back and immediately playing deglo so he's got quite the schedule in front of him yeah man that is a that's a stacked schedule i remember playing what i did four b tiers in one uh two weekends all in massachusetts one of them was in maine but pretty much all in massachusetts and i was freaking beat at the end of it i can't imagine traveling to this one then traveling to this one then traveling to that one then traveling to this one i mean I, what these pros do for this amount of travel is is kind of insane i remember actually flying out to portland and to start out i was waking up at 4 30 or 5 in the morning every single day because my body was thinking you know it's eight o'clock now it's 7 30 it's you know nine o'clock potentially and it, it was just wild that that amount of travel and the players still going out and doing it, I think is pretty insane. But anywho, I think that's enough about the Yarva Open. Uh, pretty awesome events. I know we have the Preserve coming up over at Kale Lebeska's Airborne Facility, which I'm really, really excited for. It's going to bring Stackfield and uh, 
yeah, I think that's about it for those topics. Yeah, well, this past weekend, we we had a Disc Golf Pro Tour event. It was a non-standard mm-hmm. as the match play format, the match play championships. And this mm-hmm. was the first time ever that we had, I mean, people argue about what this classification of this event was, whether it's an elite series or major or whatnot. But this was the first Disc Golf Pro Tour event in the state of Colorado. Uh, there have been events. There's a 303 Open in 2020 that was planned as a Silver Series. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, we know how that one got, it got canceled. Yeah. Uh, but here we are in Bailey, Colorado. This is in the mountains of Colorado too. It's not in the front plains of uh, Denver or the other kind of big cities mm-hmm. you see in Colorado. It's kind of in the mountain country, Sco smaller buffs. towns. Go <laughs> Buffs, right? Uh, and this is like classic mountain course for Colorado. Uh, a lot of big bomber holes. I mean, you saw hole one and 12 because it's a 12 hole format. Um, just huge, just, you know, you're like top of the world and day lodge, just like that kind of style, big throws. But then you also have your, your tight lines of sub 300 holes. And then you also have these huge elevation gains uphill. Uh, I thought it was incredible to watch just a, such a different style of disc golf that mm-hmm. we generally don't see on tour. Mm hmm. No, it was awesome. I mean, it's funny because what they say the first hole was 690 feet or 619 feet. Do you remember exactly what it was? I but I saw two videos of friggin' Joel Freeman almost parking the hole and then Aaron Gossage going pin high left side of it. I mean, dude, when you watch that video of Aaron Gossage, at least you can hear the explosion that comes out when he throws it like it, it's very very impressive and i've I've had the pleasure of playing with Aaron before actually I think it was round one at Champions Cup. And that dude just smashes and it is simple, smooth and powerful. It's kind of insane. But if people don't really know, when you go out to Colorado and you play in that elevation, everything plays a lot more stable than what you're used to. And so when I'm watching Joel shot, I actually just saw it earlier and him getting a disc to actually just ride an Annie as long as it did and then kind of skip up towards the pin at the end of it is stupidly impressive i actually i haven't been able to throw out in colorado yet but last year when i went out to utah uh the elevation change was for me who's not a power player uh was very significant um i was barely turning over flippy fairway drivers that normally you know around here i can actually throw as a roller and those ones are like my dead straight shots and you know what utah is i think like low four thousands uh Mm -hmm. this once you once you realize that you're in the mountains and getting up and out to do i think it i think it was over eight thousand, if i'm yeah. uh, correct either it was high seven thousands that's pretty much double of what you played in dude, utah and dude i don't know if there's an understable enough disc for me I, to throw out there yeah <laughs> I, I don't know the exact uh the workings of yeah. uh how the change works yeah. but i i feel like it might be exponential just like it gets that much harder yeah uh yeah. so yeah so many players are talking about this all week how they're throwing their roller disc just off the drive and it wasn't even dude. flipping uh also putts um just drop a lot quicker i think it's kind of interesting if that's what it seemed like yeah i I definitely noticed that in the putting yeah which was kind of insane to me baseball fan you'll hear of like coors field where there's a lot of homers they just hit it a lot farther and the ball goes farther because of the thinner air at elevation um and it just it goes farther because it has less air resistance uh but then in disc golf you kind of want that air to give it lift so it's kind of like an uh, interesting where the air is thinner so So, uh, i was gonna say but it doesn't have that technically air giving the lift for it. And so in that's what, pots, that's yeah. what you want. That's what I was wondering is like on a power drive, you know, if it's like that in baseball, it's where you hit the ball and it apparently goes further. I mean, technically speaking, if you were to do a distance competition on flat ground out in Colorado, would that be better than doing it on flat ground in Vegas or the desert where they do it? I don't know. 
I don't. I mean, I've played in Colorado many of times, and switching back uh, between New England and there, and the courses are also way different, so you can throw a lot farther just naturally. You're not playing in the woods as much, and I always yeah. felt like I could throw farther out there, but you definitely notice the stability. It is, it's wild, yeah. and as you know, a player who's not in tune with my game as much as the pros, mm-hmm. it's like even like they just when they throw, they know what they're just gonna do if their eyes were closed. And for you know an amateur, you play it, and it's just like it's it's almost like more mind blowing, but then also less mind blowing because you don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting, but I felt like I threw so farther. Now, yeah. Go oh god, yeah. So, I mean, we'd be remiss to say, but we're talking about all these power throws and everything like that, all these massive crushes. Now let's talk about the FPO winner really quick, and the FPO winner who she beat in the final round. So Owen Scoggins taking down the FPO division of the match play, also winning ten thousand dollars between both of them, which is pretty insane. Um, $10,000 going out to first place for the MPO and the FPO division. Own Scoggins taking down the win in the FPO division. And honestly, if you, if I watched this course, the few holes that I have actually so far, and I saw her play and I saw the field of players that were there, I don't think I would have picked Own, but we're talking about how putting is dropping out in this elevation and she was just canning putts. It's insane how good Own Scoggins is as a putter. And I'm curious, like, do we... When do we say this, that Owen Scoggins might be the F- best FPO putter in the world currently? Like, I mean, we can go back and look at stats and everything for that, which I think is something that we definitely should do come in the coming weeks. But Owen Scoggins taking down Ella Hansen in the final round of the match play. So you have more, um, and this isn't being mean, but you have an older player. Owen is one of the older players in the FPO division versus Ella Hansen, who's kind of a newcomer on the tour. She's been out for a couple of years now, but she is a massive power thrower. And so you have them two playing out in Colorado together and Owen Scoggins actually winning that final round. What seemed like in a pretty, she won five of the holes. Ella only won one of the holes. Um, I think that's pretty awesome to say that Owen absolutely killed it. She's won, she won that event four and three in that final round. Uh, later on in the show, guys, we are going to talk. We're obviously going to talk with Joel Freeman about the format to it. We are going to talk about, Stuff that happened around three. Apparently, there's a little drama involved with that. Um, we're going to talk about the format. Evan actually has a really good explanation on the format in and of itself, which the format to me kind of confused me. Evan equates it very well to how the World Cup for soccer is played. And that I don't really, I, I've never really followed along soccer, but Evan will be able to explain that actually pretty much right after that we talk with Joel. We're, we're going to talk with Joel for a while, just literally about this whole event. One of the biggest things is Joel is calling this the biggest win of his career. I mean, is it shy to say that he's had some incredible finishes? He's had some great wins, but one of the biggest wins, especially, you know, it's the win on, I would say his biggest stage so far. I mean, you're on the disc golf network. You're getting all those live viewers watching throughout the week um, in a different format, but I guess ultimately I, we got a couple more minutes before we bring on Joel, but what do you guys think? Mid season match play championships happening. Do we like it in the middle of the season? Do we like the format? What do we think about it? Evan, I'll let you go first. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I mentioned going to Colorado and kind of a new area on, on the tour and that was fantastic, but substituting a match play weekend in instead of stroke play. Um, I, I think it's just a, such a fun change of pace. You just get to see different styles of game uh, and the style, like the, how this weekend work was just so fast paced and so quick, like that final, the final round of pool play. Uh, where um, it was it was only the second day, but MPO played their second round in the morning, and they had three total. So FPO played their third in midday, and NPO played their third in the final. It was just 
all these scenarios going like crazy of who can win, who can like, what do you need to do to get out of your group? Because there's a group of four and only the top advanced. And so there's all these different scenarios and you needed to beat a person by a certain amount of strokes. And it was just so intense. And also it's only 12 holes. So it just moves so mm -hmm. quickly. And I think uh, while stroke play is kind of the, the general, how our sport operates and what we kind of look at the most, and we can still enjoy that the most having mm -hmm. a nice, change of pace to this like i'm saying i'm gonna say change of pace a lot because i feel like that's the best way to describe it it was just super enjoyable and mm -hmm. i would love to see this every single year right in the middle of the season uh it, it i think it just makes a lot more sense to hit these cool spots yeah. while we're traveling from one place to another no definitely i love the idea of it i think it's cool a little change of format i think that allows the viewers kind of a different style uh, i mean one of the biggest things like i really want to watch the top players in the world play doubles like, I just think it'd be really fun to watch alternate shot doubles and best shot doubles between the best players. Like, let's say Paul Macbeth partnered up with Adam Hammond, almost like a manufacturer's cup in a sense. I would love to see that too, to where you have Discraft playing Team Innova, Team Innova playing Team Discmania. I think there are so many cool different things that we could allow. Um, and the D Disc Golf Pro Tour is listening to all of what people are saying. And we finally got a pretty awesome match play event. Uh, right before we bring into Jewel, we do want to thank one of our other sponsors of the show because they've been helping us out run for a while now. People have been getting incredible feedback and I actually have a funny story about DG Max Wax. Head over to ggmaxwax.com, use code Nick and Matt to get, I think it is 10% off of your order. It is a grip enhancer in the sport of disc golf. This adds spin to your disc. Ben's showing it up on the screen right now. That's the mini looking one. It's got an incredible smell to it. Use it before you throw. It might last you a couple holes. You might get comfortable enough to where you use it every single hole. Um, the funny story is one of the best things that we've been talking about is kind of the snap stick that they have. And it looks like a thing of chapstick. And someone here in Virginia was saying they accidentally left it out on their countertop. And the guy's wife went over and thought that it was actually chapstick, put it on. And she, you know, went to, went to her husband afterwards and was like, you know, I'm not going to lie that that chapstick that you got kind of sucks. You know, I I'd recommend not buying it. And he had talked about how, well, that's because it's not actually chapstick. It's a grip enhancer for disc golf. So if you do buy it right, not chapstick on it, kind of help out the people to make sure if anyone else is using it, grabbing it out of your bag, they don't make the same mistake that she did. But DG Max Wax, 10% off of your order. Us in the Nick and Matt show, we have been using it, I would say, religiously at this point. I'm still using the snapstick. That's easily my favorite part about this. The mini, I have it actually really deformed right now because I've gripped it in a certain spot for so long that... I, I don't have my bag with me right now, but it's it's pretty messed up looking. But Evan, Ben, you guys got a chance to use this stuff much? Yeah, I love using it every couple of holes. Just put a little bit more on. You'll get into such a groove with it that you'll just like forget about it. And you'll just every couple of holes, you'll just take it out. Boom, boom. <laughs> get it on. Get that extra grip. I always say it's grippy, not sticky. Some people think it's sticky. It's going to affect your putting. I say no. Uh, I think it's just it, it just feels so comfortable, but also gives you that extra grip. Exactly. Yeah. Ben. I was using it today. Actually, I was at Barry Falls Disc Golf um, today. Awesome and, course. And um, they changed it, though. I don't know, think. I heard. It, I heard there was a redesign. I, I'm not going to say. I'm it. pretty excited. Yeah, maybe you like it. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was. Yeah. I couldn't really get a grip. My It was weird, like sunscreen everywhere. And so I was using this, you know, along with the, with the whale sack and all that. So it just gave me a more consistent grip that I wouldn't mm -hmm. have had because my hands were slimy yeah i definitely want to kind of give a little disclaimer on it this isn't something where if you're in the pouring rain 
this stuff is not going to dry your hands. Yeah. It's going to give you grip when your hands are dry. And so one of the biggest things, it's, I mean, in humidity, it works well. But I mean, if it's pouring rain, get a towel, wipe your hand, get a whale sack, whatever you got to do. Wipe your hand with that first and then put on or apply the DG Max Wax. And that's where you're going to get the best use out of it. You are going to notice potentially that your throws are going further. Um, once you get comfortable with it, you're going to notice more accuracy out of it. And really just comfort and disc golf is such a huge thing. 10% off, use code Nick and Matt and uh, dgmaxwax.com. And I think we're finally at that point in 733 right now. He is in our virtual green room. We are going to bring on the MPO winner from the DGPT Match Play Championships out in Colorado, Joel Freeman. What there is it. up, everybody? What is up, Joel Freeman? First time guest on the show. We're very excited for that. I know Evan and Ben and Matt have been working on getting you on the show for this. I'm super excited. Joel, how are you feeling right now after this big win? I'm stoked, guys. The Nick and Matt show is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everybody out there watching. I appreciate all the love, all the support. Um, you guys, you guys got me on that Max Wax. I'm curious. I want to try it out now. Good. Um, no, one of these days I'll have that sweet setup with the fancy camera and the microphone and everything. But hopefully everything sounds okay. Um, nope, you sound perfect. Sounding great. But yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm as you can imagine. I'm just feeling feeling awesome. I uh, I feel like traditionally I start slow uh, in my past years touring. And then I kind of turn it on in the second half of the season. And I tend to do better uh, when we kind of head out east into the trees and everything. Um, so this year has been very different. It's been a really strong start. And then my first win on the Pro Tour uh, finally, you know, felt like a long time coming. Mm -hmm. And I've been closed so many times. So felt great to actually pull it off. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. And this is in your home state of Colorado. Uh, PDGA location says Loveland, Colorado, which is on the front range. So you just got to have a short drive into the mountains. What did it feel to win your first disc golf pro tour event in your home state? Yeah, it was crazy. Cool. Um, I don't know if you guys, I haven't actually looked this up. So somebody has got to fact check me. Is this the first time that the disc golf pro tour has been in Colorado? Yeah, I just said it will a, tell you, yes. a little bit earlier. So, the yeah, 303 so was scheduled to be in a Silver Series in 2020, but it was unfortunately canceled. So this is oh, the first. Okay, wow. Okay, so it wouldn't have been the first. But um, but yeah, the fact that it was just the first Pro Tour that made it to Colorado, and then bam, one for one. You know, I'll take those stats. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, it feels amazing. Got tons of love from the home crowd. And, uh, you know, it was just cool. Like, I mean, even having Eagle there was just so cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Eagle played against him in my first sanctioned tournament I ever played. Uh, so Eagle and I go way back. Uh, my first breakout performance in 2018 Las Vegas Challenge. Eagle was all wrapped into that entire story. He ended up winning, of course. Um, but, yeah, it was just it was awesome to see a bunch of familiar faces and be in a familiar place. Loving it. Very cool. Now, aside for, you know, kind of being in the home state and everything like that, this is your biggest win out on the stage of the pro tour wise. Um, would you consider this the biggest win of your career in a sense, or do, because it wasn't a standard stroke play tournament? Like how, how are your feelings on that? Yeah, no, I, I consider this my, the biggest one of my career just because of the stage. I mean, the payout alone, mm -hmm. like that adds pressure that adds uh, excitement it, you know, just the disc, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, like disc golf network, the live stream, 
Um, just having, I mean, just having Jeff Spring standing right there when yeah. I tapped in that last putt, you know, mm -hmm. looking over and seeing that Jeff Spring is watching me, you know, win right here. That that tells you uh, this this win is a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, so absolutely, I, I consider it my biggest win of my career and a huge stepping stone. Obviously, there are a lot of the best players in our sport that we're missing. Um, so it isn't quite fully satisfying like, you know, an elite series win would be and will be mm -hmm. once it comes. But um, but yeah, as of now, huge stepping stone, awesome win. Uh, and I'm stoked. Now, I want to kind of bounce away from the match play really quick. You had an absolutely badass ace over at Beaver State Fling. That got a lot of traction, tons of views on YouTube. What was that shot like? And then I want to kind of bring in Beaver State Fling because you ended up taking second place at that tournament. So talk to us just a little bit about how is the rest of the year going? You have some wins at A tiers. You have a B tier win. And then you've got some solid finishes on the elite stage of things. Do you feel like you're just in a really good spot with your disc golf game currently? I think a huge um, factor in my success this year has just been the change to the putt. Uh, for anybody who follows me closely, they know that I've, um, I think at this point I've successfully transitioned from a consistent nose down release on my putt to more of a flat to nose up. Mm -hmm. I, I like it to be a little nose up um, and it doesn't always come out perfectly, but uh, I'm a much better putter. Um, okay. much better putter under pressure, uh, much better, better putter in, in about every way you could think of it. So, um, the year kicked off with my first event, uh, B tier in Texas, and I mm -hmm. shot a 1098, my career high, uh, mm -hmm. in a sanctioned round, um, went on to secure a couple different, like early podium finishes at elite series events, um, and yeah, like you said, captured another A-tier win, couple other good, you know, pro tour finishes, several top tens, um, and you know, a lot of coverage. And so I think a lot of the fans and people supporting me, you know, kept telling me, hey, a win's coming. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people could feel feel it coming. And so um I guess you asked about uh Beaver State Fling. Yep. It's an amazing place to play. It's you know, it's a lot of people's favorite. And uh, that final round, yeah, I just got into a groove, got off to a good start, um, started piling up some birdies and, you know, stepped on. I, I had just made not a great upshot, um, but I made up with it, uh, made up for the upshot by sinking just a nice 30 foot putt, um, stepped onto that next tee pad. And I just felt like I, I had the perfect disc for the shot, uh, super overstable firebird. And I just felt like if I hit it hard, uh, it wasn't going to go past the island. So all I had to do was just give it a full, you know, a full rip and get it to the island. And uh, it came out clean. I felt like I committed to the shot really well. And um, just then the best got the way. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that's perfect. So right. now you, so you took a little bit of time off of touring and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think, you know, COVID year happened. And then was it the rest of that year? You didn't play too, too many events. I know there was a little bit of time where we didn't see your name at a lot of events. And I think you were pursuing a job outside of disc golf and I could be totally wrong in all this. I feel like this is what I heard, but bring us kind of your comeback story back into disc golf. Yeah, sure. Um, 2018 and 19 were my first two years on tour. Um, things were going well. Again, I 
mostly showed strong uh, performances in the second half of each year. Um, in 2020, uh, things were getting serious with my fiance, and uh, so it was time to get married. And uh, beyond that, she had owned uh, her own flower business. Um, so she she actually was a flower farmer and designer. So she would take uh, flowers literally all the way from a seed all the way to somebody's wedding, you know, into amazing okay. like elaborate arrangements and stuff. Um, she had owned that business for three and a half, four years or something. And so um, between that and the wedding, um, it just felt like the right move to dedicate the year of 2020 to seeing what that part of her life and who she was, was all about, um, as well as just devoting it to our wedding and getting married. Um, we got married in May. And then the second half of that year was just devoted to learning how to be married people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, marriage is, is a huge deal in my opinion. And um, so we wanted to do it right and uh, start things off strong. And so, yeah, crazy thing is I had already made all that decision before COVID ever happened. So okay. it ended up being this super kind of like happy accident because 2020 went according to plan for me personally, mm -hmm. um, which I feel so fortunate to say, because I, once I saw all that happening at Waco and just imagining, imagining myself on tour and having to handle all that, I just couldn't imagine. So I was feeling for all my all my friends out on the tour and mm -hmm. um so yeah once 2021 rolled around um Alyssa and I felt you know she felt good about kind of closing that chapter and putting away the flower business um and then kind of shifting gears and coming over to my world and seeing um what the tour life was like and and that part of my life and who I am mm -hmm. and so we kind of did a little trade in that in that way and um, so I'm, we're really fortunate and blessed to be able to travel together. Um, and yeah, we're in a position where we're able to, I'm able to bring her on full time, uh, just with me to just to support and uh, help with laundry and making meals and all that good stuff. And so it's amazing Very cool. to be in a position where I can have her along with me. Awesome. Awesome. Bringing it back to match play. What was your general thoughts on the format? I mean, the 12 holes, the style of pool play, one person advancing, just kind of everything grouped into that. Uh, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, I, to be honest, I've got no complaints. I love it all. Um, last year, I wasn't super excited about, you know, getting knocked out the first round and, and just having to go home immediately. Um, and so the fact that they gave us all, you know, three guaranteed rounds not only made for kind of a better use of our time, I think, but also, um, Evan, as you were explaining a few minutes back, um, some really exciting like scenarios to listen to on the final day. Um, so I think that was a really good adjustment by the Pro Tour. Um, I love the change of pace just to see a little bit of a different format, a little bit of a different style from some of these players. Um, and I'll also comment on Nick's uh, idea of like doubles i totally agree like i don't i really don't understand that there's how like how there's not a major doubles event somewhere yeah. in the disc golf world like yeah. i'm waiting for that to happen and excited because i would love to see mm -hmm. what that even looks like or what 
what its potential is, I think it would be so much fun. Oh yeah. It, I, I think it'd be an absolute blast. And, and yeah. bringing it to one of those exciting final day matchups, uh, going into round three, you were set to face Simon Lazat. You had a three point lead over him. So if he won, he would have tied you in points. Um, you had a two, point. a two point. Yeah. Um, all right. But, uh, it was an exciting finish. Did you know the exact scenario or did Simon know the exact scenario to happen for either you advance Simon to advance? And I think, was it Barella in your group? I'm, I'm blanking on the third person who had a chance yep. to advance. Yeah, you got it. Yep. Um, yes, we all, we all knew exactly what needed to happen. You know, I went over the scenario and the math several times in my head, you know, all that afternoon between the second and third round, um, even during warmups, Simon had mentioned uh, he, you know, we're, we're warming up putting and he goes, I think I have to beat you by hole nine. And I go, no, you've got till hole 10. Uh, and so we kind of, he looked at me, he's like, how does that work? And, um, I was thinking the same thing originally that it was hole nine, not hole 10. But the thing is when you lose a match, you get negative points. It's not just earning points for winning the match. It goes both ways. So, since I came in with a two-point advantage uh, in the hole differential, that would mean that if Simon beat me with one hole left, mine would go down one, his would go up one, and we would end up tying at three, and then the seed would be the tiebreaker, um, as opposed to two holes, which we were originally thinking, uh, where I'm already at four, Simon's at two, and if he beats me with two holes to go, then he gets three, four, and we tie at four. No, because I'm losing points. Um, so that's how it ended up shaking out. I knew that I either had to win, uh, which obviously I was going to do everything in my power to just win and make it easy, um, or take the match till hole 11. As I knew as soon as we stepped on hole 11's tee pad, that that was game over and I was in the finals. Um Anthony would have had to beat Chandler by hole seven or something. Like he would have had to birdie, like gain a stroke basically on every hole. Yeah. The, I believe that first. was the case. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would, he, yeah. in his interview, he's like, yeah, I just have to ace everything. And then I need Joel <laughs> to lose basically. Nice. Uh, yeah. So yeah, in my head, I had done the math and I came up with basically what's the earliest realistic scenario where I could win. And my goal became to go two up through six. That way, even if Simon won every hole after that, seven, eight, nine, ten, there was no way that the match wouldn't last until hole 11 or I would win. And mm -hmm. so that became my goal, go two up through six. And obviously by hole six, it was like Simon was one or two up. Um, obviously everybody knows Simon was a, is a fierce competitor and you know, whatever it was very intimidating playing against him. I had a really strong advantage, um, but I also played my worst round uh, all weekend against him. And that was the one, one match that I lost. So uh, made it a lot more exciting than I would have yeah. liked, but yeah, I think one of the uh, coolest things like you were just mentioning is that last year, you know, you were in round one, you lost it, and then it's kind of like your whole tournament's done. But with this pool play aspect of it, you said you're guaranteed at least three rounds, which I think, like you said, makes better use of the players' times, where when you put a match play championship like this with a lot of money on the line, a lot of opportunities to shine, 
giving the players an opportunity to go out and actually, you know, not just have one bad round, be able to go out and play rounds two and three and kind of make your comeback into it, I guess. And then I really like the idea of, you know, you kind of see it in the NFL playoffs or the regular season where if this team wins, but this team loses, this team goes to the playoffs or if both of these team loses, this team goes to the playoffs. And I think it's kind of cool of like you got to think in your head of, all right, this has to happen. And then this has to happen for me to be able to advance into this final round. Now, you yeah. obviously advance into the final round. You had won the event, but talk to us about that final round against Kevin Jones. Yeah. Um, first, I'll just throw this in there. It's funny because A.B., Simon, and myself all beat each other in a circle. A.B. beat Simon. Simon beat me. I beat A.B. Nice. Um, and so it was kind of like Jeff Spring pointed this out. He's like, it was kind of just a battle to see who could beat the fourth guy by the most. Yeah. which I don't want to pick on him, so I won't, you know, bring his name <laughs> up right now. But, uh, you know, he's whatever. He's fantastic. He's yeah. he's the bomb. But, um, yeah, it was it was really interesting that way. And then, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, Simon Simon deserved to advance because he's he beat Joel and Joel ended up winning. Um, but, you know, the thing is, like, if, if I hadn't have had that advantage, maybe I would have gone into that round with more pressure. Maybe I would have played better. Uh, you know, you, you can't dwell on the what ifs. So the final round. Wow. Um, I, it's crazy to think back on, cause I really just didn't have many thoughts at all. Like I, I wasn't really thinking about the scenarios i wasn't really thinking about oh ten thousand dollars or oh this or that about the scores or who's who or what playing style is going to work the best i was mm -hmm. just kind of um i was just gonna do my best and try not to have expectations which is way easier to say than to do um but i think i did that more successfully than i ever have before and it was probably a big key to my success very cool. I, I want to go into hole eight. You had a two hole lead or two point, however you phrase it. I'm not the best with match, but yeah. uh, two point lead over Kevin Jones. Uh, you had the better tee shot. Uh, he kind of, it was a par three. He laid up his putt. You had a, a circle two uphill putt to win the hole. Uh, unfortunately hits yeah. cage rolls to even further away. You tried the forehand, try to throw it in, uh, didn't get that one. And so kind of flips around and Kevin wins the hole. What was going in your yeah. mind as you were getting up to that first putt? Were you knew, knowing you were knowing you were going to run it? And then after that hole and Kevin takes it away, what was kind of going through your head then? Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously I see Kevin miss. Um, I know I've got an uphill bid, which is, you know, safer to run than a downhill bid, for example. But um, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if I was going to run it or not. As I approached it, I, um, I quickly ran through the scenario in my head. I thought, okay, if I lay up, I can go into the last, you know, four with a three-point advantage, or sorry, two-point advantage. Um, and then once I was standing over my lie, I look at the basket and it just looked so close. I mean, it was like 35 feet. So it's like, I, I do this for a living. Like I practice a hundred of these every morning. Like what, you know, this is, not not a big deal like i should just make this putt if i wasn't feeling that confident then of course yeah i would have might have just like set it under the basket if i was feeling mm -hmm. shaky or whatever um instead the putt looked very makeable and i figured 
going into the last four with with three up on Kevin, that's like a really favorable scenario. That would be a huge deal uh, and a huge positive for me. Um, and yeah, so through the putt, it, it came out pretty good. I, I was I was pretty happy with the putt. You know, it's hard to get a putt that uphill to miss high, uh, especially when you're at 8,000 feet or whatever. So, uh, so it was a pretty good stroke. It was a pretty good putt. And I, um, yeah, it almost went in. So I feel fine about the putt. Um, the other thing that was going through my mind was just that luck is inevitably a part of disc golf. Like you're never going to avoid that. Like it's a big part of our game. And so I just figured, you know, I'm partially out of respect for Kevin. Like he doesn't want to see me like lay up a 35 footer that he knows I can make, uh, that we both know I can, you know? And so, yeah, I was just trying to stay aggressive and, um, I'm like, if, if the rollaway happens and that's, that's part of, part of disc golf and I'll try to make the comebacker and that's that. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, everything just, I think about this event comes with a huge takeaway to it of this is something that the pro tour, I think people in years past have been wanting these bigger events, these kind of more thought about ones in the sense of every year they're trying to improve something. They, it seems like they improved the all-star event this year from last year. They improved the disc golf, um, excuse me, the match play championships from last year to this year. So I'm curious kind of like what year three is going to bring with all these events. And then I think one of the huge takeaways of this was a $10,000 win at this kind of event. And for, I think any person in the world, an extra $10,000 handed to you is a pretty awesome feeling when you're out in the road. Are you, are you van lifing it? What's kind of your life out on the road? Yeah. Um, Hey, the disc golf pro tour is the bomb. Like just quick shout out for all the disc golf pro tour and everyone who's a part of that. Um, they're doing amazing things for the sport. I am traveling in a Toyota RAV4, good old crossover vehicle, nice. a little kind of small SUV. Um, <clears throat> I am, I have no intentions of getting a van. Um, if, don't get me wrong, if Innova was like, hey, here's a van, I would say, okay, I, I accept. But yeah. um, I'm not going to go out of my way to get one. I don't. There, there are several reasons, and the more my wife and I have thought about it um, and been asked about it, we're, I think it's just not for us. We found something that works, and we we just like doing the kind of hotels and Airbnbs, being able to stretch our legs, do laundry, go to the bathroom, and not deal with all the extra logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like, you know, in a van, like, you never fully escape the elements, for example, like on a windy day. Like, yeah, you can close the door to your van, but your your vehicle's still gonna be rocking around. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's there's a lot of little factors about it, but um I've got no intentions of doing the van. I, I enjoy the the Airbnbs and I also have like a ton of hosts um that I stay with during my travels, which I'm super grateful for. Um I had to rely on the disc golf community and the kindness of random disc golf people. Um, and friends because I wasn't making enough early on. And so Mm -hmm. now I'm in a position where I can kind of pick and choose, um, stay with hosts, you know, 40% of the time and then stay at Airbnbs or hotels, the other 60%. So um, we love our, our system currently. So Mm -hmm. that's it. 
All right, I got to get into the shirts. Uh, how did these iconic shirts, is a, was what I'm calling them, how did they start, and uh, where are they going to go next? Do you have any other desserts or fruits coming up on the horizon? Oh, man. Um, wow. I think it just all started with uh, my parents, who <clears throat> I I posted a picture of them. They, they got to see me uh, take down the win yesterday which is just so awesome to to have them there <clears throat> my parents are both artists uh and they were they did that as a career growing uh when i was growing up and so i always just grew up loving bright colors that's i think that's just what it translated to um i pursued an art degree uh in college and so there's just been a lot of color in my life and so um i think you know sometimes i would see like oh final round of the USDGC or D-Glow or some big tournament and all the guys on lead card are wearing brown and black. I'm like, come on guys, like show yeah. some personality, show some mm -hmm. swag or something. Um, and so, I don't know. I think I was just motivated to, to, I don't know, show a little pizzazz and spice it up a little bit. Um, I enjoy color and I think the, my outfits remind me to have fun about you know i'm a very like um i know i come off as like really intense sometimes i'm very dedicated and very passionate and devoted to my craft um and i do take disc golf seriously as my job and um i think just bringing out the colors just reminds me to um to lighten up and have fun and just enjoy what i'm doing and uh so yeah i think more recently it's i'm trying to think of like how it even all took shape i think i think just one little conversation at a time a couple different handshakes and um i've got two really helpful uh companies right behind me who have my back disc golf threads has been helping me on a handful of those projects as well as zone sporting goods um and they've been creating a lot of these cool uh you know shirts we've been working on a ton of fun apparel projects and stuff so mm -hmm. um all that stuff the whole joel freeman apparel collection can all be found at the link in my instagram bio um or, or wholehearted.golf which is my wholehearted is my personal brand it's wholehearted without the w as in whole 18 holes wholehearted.golf mm -hmm. and you can see my full like apparel collection there Nice. nice very cool I, I i appreciated the uh sunday ice cream sunday shirt i thought that was touching <laughs> yes, uh, if it was planned uh i think yeah. that was great uh you, you mentioned yeah, awesome. you mentioned your passion for the game so i want to bring up uh after uh dynamics this open you you had an instagram post that you know i, I i'm not going to quote it exactly but it was something like you know you took a bad score on a hole and it, you didn't like the course design um yeah do you want to get into any of that you know was it kind of a heat of the moment are you still passionate about it and what were your kind of thoughts going on at that time sure uh yeah it's it's really interesting i um i'm a very straight shooter kind of guy you know i i i really don't beat around the bush i don't like it when other people beat around the bush and so i i try to always just be authentic and genuine and uh, and honest as possible. That's how I would appreciate people being with me. And so I make some unfiltered posts. Like I just, I try to give perspective of, of 
what, um, I don't know, days as a professional disc golfer feel, feel like, I guess. Um, and yeah, I don't filter to be fair. Yes. I'm a little emotional, a little dramatic sometimes, and I'm, I'm working on that. I'm trying to improve, you know, it's, it's not all just being real. Some of it's, some of it is me, you know, not having a great perspective and being emotional or upset or heated in the moment. Um, so to be fair, I, I own up to that. And I'm, you know, I've been, my attitude and composure are really important aspects of uh, myself as a player. And it's something, it's a part of my game that I'm always trying to work on, just like putting distance, forehand, whatever. Um, that's supposed, that post specifically, uh, it's funny because, you know, I looked back at it after a while just because it was getting so much like negative attention. And I read through it and really like half or more of the posts was really like positive. It was a lot, there was a lot of like, had a great day, threw some great shots, you know, love my job or something. You know, there was a lot of like positive comments, but I think human nature is just, if you read 10 sentences and eight of them are, uh, are, you know, have a happy, positive tone, and then two have like a negative or angry or sad tone, then you only hear the two and you miss the eight. Um, mm -hmm. Even though the majority of what I said was positive, um, that stuck out to people. I stand by the post. Like, I'm sorry if like that upsets people, <laughs> um, but I think hole 14 at that course is a really poorly designed hole. I just think it's a really bad design. Um, I think if you're going to have a, a river in the middle of the fair, like that you have to cross over, um, there needs to either be a really nice fair gap or no trees coming out of the river. That's just like, I mean, we could go on a two hour tangent about course design and why that matters. And that's all about that's like a whole different topic um but i i love eric mccabe you know i didn't say anything bad about him i'm not mm -hmm. saying eric mccabe is a terrible guy or a terrible course designer or whatever like so people like to twist the words and and make it sound worse than it actually was i just said it's a bad hole um and i stand by that so mm -hmm. uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's crazy to get all the controversy and all the negativity uh, coming back from that, but I, I just tell it like it is. Sorry. I think that's one thing that in disc golf, we're so kind of involved in these players' lives. I mean, not a lot of other sports are players posting after every single tournament or anything like that that they've played. And in disc golf, it seems like 90% of the players always have something to say about you know, how their rounds went or how the tournaments went, whether it's a good thing or sure. a bad thing. And I think kind of having that real personality of, you know, Hey, that, that was a crap hole. I mean, there are plenty of those that are kind of out on the road, out in the tour at certain courses where it's just like, that's really not a good hole. It's not knocking, you know, all the people that put so much time, you know, you can have 17 great holes and you can have one bad hole. And so many people are going to notice that one bad hole instead of the 17 great ones, kind of like what you're just talking about. Yeah. And I think, no course is perfect and it's not going to be perfect to every single player on the road. You might have a completely different style in your head versus Ezra Aderhold on what you guys yep. think is good courses or good, you know, not good courses. Yep. I think there are plenty of holes out on the road that a majority of players could agree on that are not good. 
But for the most part, I mean, nothing's perfect. And I think just having the ability to go out and say, you know, hey, that sucked. It was a bad design or that one hole sucked or whatever. I think just kind of the attack that people will get for kind of speaking their mind is kind of annoying. We've had Paige Pierce on where, you know, she literally said everyone just needs to be nicer. And yeah. that's great. And I think that's a wonderful kind of like mindset to have. And that will never happen in our lifetime. But at the same time, I think just people being able to go out and say like, hey, don't take everything so freaking literally that it's yeah. going to ruin your day when you read Joel Freeman's post on this. Because it, it did. It caused kind of a crap storm for yeah. the most part. And um, I do want to give a shout out really quick to Matt Graham, because this next question I'm going to ask is quoted from him. He's normally our co-host tonight. He's one of the main guys. He's the reason the show is where it's at. He's on vacation right now and join us time. So we gave him the week off, but he did can say I, some people I, say, what's that? Go ahead. Can I comment real quick? Yeah. Um, just, uh, wow. Sorry. Now I lost my train of thought. Um, Back horses on people need to be nicer. No, just, yeah, no, just like you're saying um, a bad hole is a bad hole. And, and at the end of the day, like, why, why am I saying that? Why am mm -hmm. I including that in the post? Right. Mm -hmm people's assumption is because I'm salty and I played bad and I want something to blame it on the that's fine. You're entitled to your, your own, you know, judgments and opinions, mm -hmm. but uh, the motivation behind a comment like that, uh, at least for me, and I feel like probably for most people is to help disc golf. Like it, it's mm -hmm. to raise the standard for disc golf's future. Like it's to, uh mark you know hey this is a bad hole we don't want this kind of hole in our sport let's improve the game mm -hmm. take the game to the next level and that's like that's a good thing yeah um i don't know if i said that very well but i, I the motivation behind it is to mm -hmm. improve disc golf as a whole it's 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 for the future of the yeah. sport i, I think hope. yeah yeah that's where we... those comments go and we can, you know, design better courses, design better holes and stuff like that. I think one thing that a lot of people would kind of answer to is, well, look, if you're in a field of 100 players, everyone had to play that hole. But I think yeah, you can have yeah. a majority. I, I don't like that mindset. I mean, yeah. it's it's more like that doesn't make it right. And I understand the aspect of, yes, everyone has to play it. That does not mean that your opinion of it doesn't matter. You can have an opinion towards something and you are a professional athlete who's entitled to an opinion. It's just funny when the professional athletes say something, it's like your opinion doesn't matter, but the opinion of the people watching you is what really matters. And so that's yeah. where it kind of gets dicey. Yeah, it's funny. It, I mean, it's funny you use the word dicey because that is literally the uh, the image that comes to mind. Um, I know the phrase dicey does not actually refer to the game piece or like gambling yeah. piece, but yeah. no less... I think of it like rolling a dice. Like literally, we're in a sport where the result of one score should reflect the skill that you displayed that during your round, mm -hmm. right? Um, however, even if every person, a hundred people, have the same dice that they pass around and roll, it's still random the numbers that they're going to roll. Like, you know, you could say, oh, well, everyone has to roll the same dice. Like mm -hmm. you, like that's fair. Mm -hmm. No, it's like, it's, it's all, it's still based on luck. It doesn't matter yeah. if everyone has the same one in six chance of rolling a certain number, it's still chance, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we want to take 
in in my opinion, like, and this might even vary too. In my opinion, we should take as much of the luck factor, which is inevitable in the mm-hmm. sport of disc golf, mm-hmm. out of the equation as possible. Um, we're never going to get it fully out. It's luck will always inevitably be a part of the game. Period. Mm-hmm. But if, anything we can do to mitigate that, I feel like is 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 a positive. Yeah. Now I'm going to cheat on this last question because I'm stealing it. Like I said, from Matt Graham himself, our major co-host of this production. Uh, Matt says, some people say you're never satisfied with your game or throws. Is this true? That's awesome. His words, not Um, mine. (laughs) So yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's funny. Again, it's like, I, I get how I come off and I, and it's something I'm always trying to improve on. Um, and people like to twist and manipulate, you know, words, expressions, etc. Um, I think that may have been true five years ago, mm-hmm. maybe even three years ago. Um, as of the last couple years, like totally not true, <laughs> not even close. Yep. Um, I have a lot of shots I'm happy with. I have a handful, like I yeah a lot of rounds that i'm happy with um i feel like my wife would actually be a great person to ask that question because she has seen the transformation from never happy really never satisfied Mm -hmm. to hey you know what i'm gonna give myself some credit that was a good round uh you know and so again everyone's entitled to their own judgments like it's it's fine people can (laughs) you can think whatever Um, but absolutely absolutely there are shots that i'm stoked with like i know i'm a skilled player i see what's happening in front of me i know when i make a good shot i know when i make a cool putt um i also know when i get lucky and that's like a little less satisfying than Mm -hmm. uh you know pulling off a shot the way you intended um but yeah, I mean, I, I have a blast playing disc golf. Like I'm, I'm not some crazy robot monster or whatever. The, like I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm a tenderhearted human and I'm very imperfect. I'm very far from perfect. Um, but yes, I enjoy disc golf. I love it. I love it so much. And that's mm-hmm. why I've devoted, you know, who knows tens of thousands of hours to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I picked this as a living, as a career, because I love it so much. So awesome. Well, Joel, do you have a few more minutes to play a game called stat or fiction? Of course, let's do it. All right. Competitive man. I love it. All right. But before we get into stat or fiction, got to thank the man himself and the company and the jerky, double uh, G craft jerky. I am going to open up my bag right now. Nick, do you have any jerky with you? I think I do in the other room. I'm going to save it for right now, though, because I'm pretty sure I am running a little bit low, and that's my perfect kind of like end-of-the-day snack. But I I got the Sexton Sweet and Spicy. Matt hooked me up and left a little bit in this bag, so I am stoked. This is my favorite flavor right here. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can use code Nick and Matt uh to get a free gift with your order. And what is the deal this, this week or month? So we're going to talk about for a very limited time only, if you buy a bag of jerky, you will get one ounce bag of jerky for free. What's better than double G craft jerky, free double G craft jerky when you use code Nick and Matt. So like I said, when you buy one bag, 
any size, I think it is, you get a one ounce bag of jerky absolutely for free. So code Nick and Matt. We want to see you guys using it. Double G Craft Jerky is a huge supporter of the show. His company, they are incredible people coming out with absolutely incredible beef jerky. I unfortunately had to get gas station craft jerky last week when I was driving down to Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, man. And dude, it was horrible compared to what I've been spoiled with here on the Nick and Matt show from the Double G Craft Jerky. It's insane. Just actually, if you like beef jerky at all and you haven't tried it yet, please. Use the code Nick and Matt. You will not be disappointed. You can get subscriptions. Tell your local tournament director, or if you are that tournament director, that you can do players packs of Double G Craft Jerky swag. So many different flavors. A premium biscuit, brisket meat. Excuse me. It is the good stuff. It tastes good. We love it here. Look at that cup. I'm, a, I'm digging that. They got that. cups. They got koozies. They got incredible hats. I was actually wearing the hat earlier today when I was doing a little bit of work. It is comfortable. It's great. I have stupidly long hair in the back right now, and it fits wonderfully. And so Joel, check them out. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, Joel, as a uh, the guest of this show, you get uh, free jerky. So reach out to Garrett Gerthy uh, to get your free bag. Heck yeah, sounds good. I am. Sweet. I'm actually a promoter of like an official. Uh, <laughs> You're in the commercial. Of, yeah, of yeah. Double G Jerky. So you're you're in the actual commercial, but yeah. you're, you're more famous than we are when it comes to Double G Craft Jerky. <laughs> double no, G, I, yeah, we no, all know no. he's a big thrower, but he's got a big heart as well. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, believe there me, we know go. we know the commercial. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, Double G's the bomb. His jerky is amazing. So I agree with everything you guys just said. Awesome, it's perfect. Well, Ben, why don't you hit it? Stat or fiction presented by stat mando all right so joel do you know how this game is played or do you want a quick rundown uh give me the rundown all right so i will give you a statement and you are going to respond with whether it's a stat as in it's true or it's fiction as it's not true uh so one of the examples i use is uh nick carl is rated higher than matt graham uh, you know, Nick, I don't know if you know how good Matt is, but Nick is better than Matt. He is higher rated. So that is a stat. All yes. right. So getting to the first stat or fiction, I saved this one just for the episode that Matt was not here. Uh, oh. But I'll hit it with this. Uh, Calvin Heimberg has the most elite series wins in MPO from a player without a major title. So Calvin Heimberg has the most wins from all elite series events in MPO without having a major title. So Paul Macbeth, Ricky Wise, as of today, as of today. So now I'm going to go run down. So normally we do it. I'll start. Then Benny will go and then you'll go. And then on question two, Ben goes and we'll just kind of rotate in that order, but you'll kind of hear our answers. One of the biggest things, if you're first, don't give the reason why you picked that answer. Cause you don't want to give any help to anyone yeah. else. So biggest way to do it. But I'm going to say, so one more time, question was, Calvin Heimberg has more Elite Series wins without winning a major than anyone else? In MPO. In MPO. Let's go stat. All right. Um, I'm going to say. Shout out to Ben his first time. On first stat time. Fiction. Also, shout hey. out Joel Freeman Gator 3 had to pull Woo. it out. There we go. She's a beauty. Straight out of my bag. Almost say so that no, I'm kidding. I wish. Um <laughs> You will, you will. One day. One day. Um I'm gonna go fiction. 
I've got a specific player in mind who I think has that title, and so I'm going to go fiction as well. All right. This is a stat. Before I get into it, I want to hear from Joel, because now I'm curious. Who did you think had it? I want to hear your reasoning now. I was thinking Eagle. Oh, no. Eagle has a major. He won Kona Beach Day. He's got a major. Which one? Kona Beach Day. In 2019, 2018? Mm-hmm. it's one of those, one of those hidden years. majors not everyone yeah. knows it's a major it's easily forgettable i'm not judging uh you're not the only person to think that but Dang i am it. here to spread the word that eagle has a major title my first instinct was that and then i was like no nah, it's got to be eagle i i was mm-hmm. thinking eagle is still trying to chase down that first major mm-hmm. Dang it yeah all good <laughs> so calvin heimberg has six uh josh anthon is in second actually with five and some people will say hey is ledgestone counting it is and even if you say hey that's only half a win that's still a half a win more than josh (laughs) anthon so i stand by that simon actually is also on the list um with four now right so funny enough i wrote that down i wrote three but he's got four now so he's still under six but so simon has won kona peach day in the past is that when it wasn't a major that's when it was an a tier which is tricky right Yeah, no, 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 that's, wow, that's what I thought, changing. though, yep. yep, yep. The evolution of the individual events. <laughs> and I think he might have won one as a Disc Golf World Tour as well, and Disc Golf World Tour had yeah. some majors, had some yep. A-tiers, so that's also tricky. Yeah. Like, USDGC was a Disc Golf World Tour one year, so uh, confusing gotcha, stuff. Gotcha. But uh, on to the next one. Uh, we mentioned that Kristen Tatar had a uh, came from a three-stroke deficit to come back into the final round and won by four. This is the first time that Kristen Tatar had a final round comeback in any Euro Series event. And let me preface that by saying any of the kind of top European tours, there's the Euro Tour, European Pro Tour, Prodigy Disc Pro Tour, any of those tours. That is the first time that she has ever come back from a deficit into the final round to come out with a win. And this goes to Ben, oh. first one. If you need me to repeat it, let me know. That one was a little tricky. So this, I'm saying I that. I got it. I got okay. it. Oh, man. I, I can't well, go over. Joel, yeah, you, Joel, tell me. Give me some insight. Well, I was just going to say, while he's thinking, I, I definitely need the repeat. All right, all right. Okay, okay. So uh, Kristen Tatar did have a final round comeback uh, at the European Pro Tour event, the Yarva Open, this weekend. That is true. So I'm saying that this is the first time that she had a comeback of trailing into the final round to come out with the victory at any Euro series event, which is the tours I listed, the Euro tour, European pro tour, the old Euro pro tour, the prodigy disc pro tour. Hmm, so I'm going to go. Has this happened before fiction or sorry, this is the first time. So fiction yeah. means it has happened before. She has had comebacks before. Fiction. this year. Yep. That, uh, yep. All right. On to you, Joel. Fiction. All right. I feel like I have to go fiction on this one just because I can't imagine that this is the first time. So I'm, I'm going to go fiction as well. Okay. Yeah. I'm a math guy. I can't, Max, I can't go. I did the odds. odds. I was yeah. thinking of the odds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a stat. Oh, I so I, I want to say why I almost went stat because we were getting crap that whenever Evan does a show, he goes stat, fiction, stat, or fiction, stat, fiction. <laughs> and people were kind of like trying to call him out. So I was like, maybe this is one of those opportunities oh. where like he 
He, this isn't a scantron test, and I'm some basic teacher who has like C yeah. four times yeah. in a row. Can it be C four times in a row? <laughs> it can, because I don't plan this when I put it together. I think of three questions and then put them in. Uh, I, I do plan it, but not the statter fictions in a row, that is. Um, so this was only her second career comeback from any kind of tour level event. Uh, last year at D Glow. Uh, she came back from two strokes to take it down. That was her first comeback ever. You have to think about in the European events, you know, that's a not quite as strong as a field. If you're heading into the final round with a lead, you might be the one that comes around with it. Uh, this is her 12th Euro series win. That's combining all kind of the European tours. I, I was thinking about that, but like she's going to have an off day, right? Like there was some, one of those days, yeah. like one of those round twos, like she played bad. And then she woke up the next morning and she was Kristen again. Yeah. And then she yes, no. uh, maybe I don't know. Well, apparently she's a superhuman and just yeah. doesn't play bad. <laughs> and and now, you know what? I gotta look up just to see how many comebacks in general there have been at these Euro Series events. Like maybe this is the first one ever. Uh that's yeah. I don't think that's true. I think there was one last year Evelina was leading. But uh besides the point, that's a future. It uh, only takes topic. a one stroke deficit for it to be a, a comeback. Yeah, right? Only one. Yeah. Yep. All right. Insane. Stat or fiction number three. And we're going to throw back with this one. Today is the 23rd anniversary of Brian Schweberger's first PDGA win. That is a stat. Congratulations to Schwebby, 23-year anniversary. Uh, getting into the question, Brian Schweberger has more MPO wins in a single state. That's MPO, by the way. I want to be clear with that. More MPO wins in a single state than any other player in a in MPO in another single state. So let's say Schwebe has more wins in Maine than Paul Macbeth has in California kind Correct. of thing. Yeah. Just for sort clarification, kind of. it's probably yeah. not going to be Maine. Um, no, no, no. I, yeah. I'm just using those examples. I don't want to give away what I'm actually thinking in my head, but yeah, yeah. totally. So, cause I don't know Benny's history. How much does he actually know about Schwebe? You know, that's uh, where you gotta... I just know he goes like this. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> that's all I know about him. Nothing else. So Joel, you got you got the box. Uh, so the way it's worded is Schwebe has more than anyone else. Uh, more MPO wins in a single state than anyone else has MPO wins in any single state. Fiction. So, yeah. So you're saying there's someone else who has more wins in some state than Brian Schweiberger's yeah. best state. All right. I feel like this has been a similar question in the past. Ooh. And that's where I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm going to say, so if I say stat, that means I think he has more wins in X state than anyone else does in another state. Yeah. Either X okay. state you mentioned or stat. any other of the 50 or yep. well, 49 other states. Stat. I could play this, you know, the annoying way and say fiction so that if I'm right, no matter what I win, you know, but I'm not, I'm going to go with my heart on this one stat. So Good job, Nick. You're a gentleman. It's funny you say that, Nick, because I'm doing the opposite. You know, you have one point. I can't guess stat. This is the I'm, I'm, pull, I'm pulling the mat. You're that guy. I'm pulling the mat, Graham. Yeah. I'm going fiction hey, because remember this is Ben's first attempt Woo! and it's Joel's first attempt. So you guys don't want to oh, get skunked be, here. That would be stat, stat, stat though. 
Oh, no. I, didn't, I didn't even think about that, actually. That Evan's not like that. <laughs> no on, way Evan. is Evan stat, stat, stat on, guy. Evan. He's not stat, stat, stat guy. <laughs> oh, you just change it after you see Ben get it. All right, are we locked oh, in? Are we good? Yeah, we're, we're locked. locked in. All right. This is... Fiction! Yes! Let's go! All right, it is all tied up. Sorry, I banged on my table for the chat. Give me, all like, right. Ken Climo or Johnny McRae or somebody. Yeah, I was that's, most most of the people in the chat are saying Climo out of Florida. Yeah, know? I was thinking Florida. Yeah, I oh I have to pull up I it You gotta know this answer though, right? I do know the answer. And now I yeah, I, I'm gonna say it, but I did have the idea because we have to have tiebreaker game. But Let's Johnny McCray does have the most MPO wins in a single state. Um okay, that's gonna be the tiebreaker. I'm not gonna say what number it is. But oh. Johnny McCray is the most. That's in Florida. Uh, Schweberger is second in North Carolina. I believe Climo is third in Florida, With but he's also many? very high up. I'm not saying that. <laughs> and then Barry, Barry's got to be pretty close, right? I was going to yeah. say Barry might be next. I don't have Barry the, in the Carolinas. Yeah, I don't have the exact list past that. I need to run more, but yeah. just did a few checks of like other ones uh, to that I thought of in my head. And like Joe Revere was up there in Colorado, yep. but was still, you know, not quite at that height. So tiebreaker. Uh, this is. Whoever's closest to the correct answer, you're all going to just say a number. So it's not stat or fiction style. It's not prices right. You don't need to be without going above. Uh, just how many wins do you think that Johnny McRae has in Florida, which is the most in a single state in MPO out of anyone? So we'll start with Nick, and then Ben, then Joel. I'm assuming you're not going to tell us how many wins that Johnny McRae has overall, are you? Uh, nah, I, nah, nah, you don't need that. No way. I need that. No then way. I gotta look it up too. I'm oblivious right now. I have no idea. All right. Johnny McRae in Florida. In MPO. In MPO. Has 63 wins. And someone in the chat asked this. I, it is all tiers and it's all events. It does not count leagues, but it does count, you know, national tours, A, B, A, B, or it C probably tiers. Counts Flex starts, right? Yep. I would assume because yeah. that, that still counts as a yeah, win. Yeah, those would yep. be C tiers or maybe a B tier. Yep. Um, yep. All right. My turn. Mm -hmm. Nick, what'd you have again? You said 63? 63. Six, 63. All right. I'm going to write these down. I'm going to go Johnny McCray. He, he has, he's a vet. He's a vet of the game. I'm going to go 70. Dang, you guys. I mean, it's definitely higher than 70, so I could easily just go 71. But, get, get the um, over. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, I like I like those numbers, though. I don't think those are bad. Um, I'm going to just, you know, I'm a gentleman, just like Nick, you know. So, I'm, you know, I can't do the 71. Like, Thank you. 70.5. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, give me just a solid... 82. All right. Come on, Kurt. What are we feeling? What are we feeling? Come on. I'm feeling 70. All right. <laughs> Joel, it goes to you. Oh, of course. And I'm going to say this. You were, you were kind to Nick and Ben. They were way off. <laughs> I, I figured right when I said it, I was like, you know what? Because I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, because I don't know how many wins he has. But if he has 200 plus wins or 150 plus wins, then I don't know. 
All I right. throw out a number. Looking through the chat, I'm seeing 65, 123, 200. Someone said 420. That's funny. That's not right either. Uh, it is Whoa. 143. Wow. 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 Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. And Shwebby has more? Shwebby oh, no, has, no, no, no. Less. No, because yeah. it's fiction. So Shwebby's at 128 in Florida. I need to find the message, but I think Climo's at 127. And shout out to to Steve and and Doug. Doug had the first question. Some Statmando researchers. Uh, Steve did this one, uh, and then Joe Revere is at 107 in Colorado. I thought there was no way he was over 120. Uh, 120 was the max. Yeah, that's wild. That's I mean, crazy. the dude's also Schwebby. That is is at 300 something. I don't know what McCray's at total. I can look it up real quick. That's what that's what I'm trying to find really quick. I'm at uh, zero, everyone. So Johnny's got hey, 194 wins. <laughs> I was almost at one. MA2, baby. 194 and 143 yeah. of them are in Florida in MPO. Wow. That guy is. See, legit. that's where honestly, if I saw the 194, uh, the most I would have said was I guess 80 at the most. Like I would not have said any more than that. But well, that's filthy. Yeah, you were wrong. <laughs> in the most and polite way possible of course well so joel wins give him a point benny oh yeah yeah Woo! yeah there you go congrats joel thank you that is a lot of freaking wins though yeah, Nick, you're still just intense looking at that <laughs> yeah i was looking back at it i'm just like dude that's actually filthy i mean those those guys hey, are good kudos to him yeah like and, oh yeah and, and just, they're ogs yeah, OG. Yeah, Florida golf is no joke. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I will say, I will say, if I, long. if if I had put three people, like thinking of that question, if someone said who has the most wins in a state, I would have still said Schwebby, and then I probably would have gone Ken Climo, and then honestly, I probably would have gone either Paul and Cali or uh, Barry and one of the Carolinas, more North Carolina, or even Dickerson in Tennessee, I think would have been actually mm -hmm. a decent, but he hasn't played, been playing nearly as long, but at the same time, he's a weekend warrior. And so then it's like those wins just pile up. But I mean, when you tell me someone has over a hundred plus wins in a single state, I mean, that's just mind blowing to me in yeah. general. And Steve's but. in the chat too. I actually, apparently I might've had it wrong. It was 144 for McCray in Florida. Um, but then Withers with 117 in Oregon, Steve Rico with 109 oh, in California. Withers, that's a good point too. So yeah. these guys like all local legends yeah. in their own right. And I mean, plenty of those yeah. are national legends too. So yeah, no, no doubt. That's yeah. Withers, Withers in Oregon is a big one. That's amazing to hear yeah. how many of those guys have over a hundred. That's wild. Yeah. Yep. Barry one hundred two in North Carolina. Oh, that was that's. I appreciate it, Matt. I don't know if that's correct. That wasn't from Steve. Well, okay. Hold on. I just want to clarify: Are we still talking strictly MPO, or yes. are we talking? Yes. Okay. We're not talking. So their their total wins is whatever they've played in. But when we're talking about the answer, like what was Johnny's number? One forty four. Someone said. Yeah, one forty four. That is strictly MPO. That's strictly MPO. And then if you go to their PGA page, filthy. and then it says you know career events, career wins. That'll be any you know open age restricted um, uh, amateur yeah. wins. It'll be everything that they have in a sanctioned event. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Joel, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Huge congratulations out at the match play championship. We're super happy for you. I'm glad we did eventually get a couple tough questions in there. I know a lot of people say we're a little soft on the questioning, but Matt's usually there to kind of break in those awkward ones. But I think Evan had a great question. Matt did from the chat. And so it kind of gives us a new perspective of you. It gives us a cool mindset of like where you're at just in your disc golf career, which I think is super, super awesome. 
we definitely look forward. Um, I'm assuming you're going out to the preserve. I'm actually not. Yeah, oh. a little, uh, little, little curveball. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me play a sound real quick. Where is it? I, I can never find it when I need it. It's the worst sound we have, oh so you don't goodness. need to find it. Here we go. And now for a Nick and Matt show exclusive. So where are you going besides the preserve? <laughs> um, I, I'm taking a week off. Uh, I actually had 37 weeks straight lined up uh, for this year, and so we we ended up to we ended up deciding to pull the plug on preserve. Um, Alyssa's sister just had a baby, so we wanted to get a little extra time with the new family member, um, and so I'll be we'll be right back at it next weekend. Uh, absolutely Kentucky, so cool very cool well best of luck to you we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight and um if there's any way to support you i know you had said there's a link for some apparel in your instagram bio is there anywhere else like yeah tour series this with innova what's up yeah uh yeah i mean first of all you guys are the bomb this show is awesome i love the nick and mad show thanks man um, i i really truly deeply appreciate you guys having me i'm honored uh to be here thank you everyone for tuning in Thank you for your support, supporting me, supporting Disc Golf. Um, uh, let me give you a quick shout out to all my sponsors. Let's see if I can hit them. Disc Golf Threads, Fisher Disc Golf, Infinite Discs, Innova Discs, Schaefer Sports Management, Ridge Roller, and Zone Sporting Goods. Um, to answer Nick's question, you can go, that link in my Instagram bio is my website. So everything Joel Freeman related, Tour series discs, apparel, um, special releases, anything. Uh, my YouTube channel, it's all there uh, at that website. Um, if you don't want to go to Instagram, you can go to wholehearted.golf. Um, no W at the beginning of wholehearted, just whole, as in whole one. Um, wholehearted.golf, you can find everything there. Um, thank you for visiting the website. Thanks for your support. Um, got some good stuff there, so have fun exploring what's going on and yeah. Anything else you guys got for me? I think that's it. Fantastic. I appreciate you coming on Joel. Best of luck to you. We'll catch you in the next one. Thank you everybody. Peace. All right. See you. All right. I, I phenomenal got a, interview. Yeah, totally. I got a quick stat just to drop uh, about Joel's just rise. I mean, one is his top 10 percentage in elite series and majors is over 30%. I think, in like the last four or five years, it's like under 20 people. I mean, you got to think only mm -hmm. so many people can make the top 10, but 30%, yeah. that's incredible. Uh, that's, I mean, almost a third of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. His average round rating over the last four seasons he's played, and we mentioned that he did not play in 2020, but 2018, he was 1019. This is average round rating, not his player rating. Uh, mm -hmm. 1019, 2019 was 1025, 2021 was 1029, so a steady increase. But then in 2022, so far, 1037. So that's right there, an eight-point increase compared to kind of the three or four he was doing, just kind of shooting up that. And I think he's 10th right now in Elite Series and Majors average round rating on this season. So mm -hmm. one of the first episodes I was on talking, um, Matt asked, who's going up, who's going down? Um, I, I chose Kayla Visca going down, and I also chose... I hate to say it, Joel Freeman going down on the world rankings. 
and I am honored to say he has proven me wrong. Keep going, Joel. I know you're in the green room and you well, can hear me, but <laughs> I know. Well, I know. I know. Uh, I, I told Evan when we were talking about the Portland Open. I know when he said Joel Freeman what was a top three or top five. I said top and five. Chris, and Valerie winning it. I was like, dang, those are some pretty hot takes, dude. That's that's a lot to catch up. And then there was a there was a point where Joel was potentially going to win the tournament. I mean, there was definitely. You know, his percentage for actually winning it was going up at a certain point. And so, look, he's having a killer year. Um, I've had the pleasure of, I don't think I've ever played with him, but I've watched plenty of rounds that he's played. I've watched rounds at Maple Hill where he just, he's silky smooth in the woods. He's got, a, he's got great power. And then he was talking about his putt and the way that he's putting. I actually did notice that a little bit on a couple of his putts this past weekend. And it, ju- it just looks smoother. So kudos to him. I think that's awesome. Um, Trending in the right direction. You know what's crazy? I, I was fortunate. Final round MVP open. Some of you know I was fortunate to caddy for Matty O. Um, mm-hmm. And Joel was on that card with Adam and Eagle. And so, yeah, I, it was really cool to get like a my first up-close experience see, baby. To, yeah. to the Joel Freeman show. Um, and, well, everyone, honestly. That was mm-hmm. re- the, such a cool event to caddy for Matty yeah. O. But, um, yeah, so... I guess I know uh, yeah, the hat toss too. Yeah, the yeah. hat toss. <laughs> I know uh, Daniel from Texas had said I'd be curious on the FPO answer to that same question, talking about who has the most wins in a single state. And I want to say if I'm going to put an answer on it, Evan, you can look it up later. But I gotta say it's probably Elaine King. Steve, I just gotta say somewhere. Steve is in the chat. I'm gonna shout it out to Steve. I oh man, he gave me a bunch. I oh man, I'm forgetting if he gave this to me or not. But Steve, if the you FPO are still one. watching and you can look it up quickly. Drop it in the chat. Daniel will thank you. Mm-hmm. But that's all I got Anyways, for right now. We got one kind of last little discussion, and it is our discure discussion. And Joel actually kind of briefly brought it up really quick. We're going to talk a little bit about course design. We're only going to spend a few minutes on it. I know we've talked about course design in the world, but Benny, why don't you throw it in? Give us a little intro for the discure discussion. Do, 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 do. This is the discure discussion. I keep saying eventually we're going to actually make music to it, but for right now, we do not have it. You know, Matt's just taking all these vacations, and so it's killing it. Anyways, go to DiscaroGG.com. If you use the code Nick and Matt, you get 10% off your, over, um, off your order. Excuse me. And DiscaroDG is an apparel company in the disc golf world, use, utilizing kind of the UPF technology from other sports, bringing it into our sport, safer, comfortable. It's amazing stuff. Anyways. This gear discussion tonight, talking about course design. One of the things Evan kind of tweeted it. It was a little bit of a hot take. You know, we won't quote the tweet. <laughs> it was, word a, it for was word. a little hot. I'm not gonna little lie. Little hot, little hot for Evan on uh, Twitter over there. But Ooh, one of the things we that. were talking about was, oh yeah, look at that. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about, just in general, the course design is look at. We have so many different course designers in the world, whether it's in your local region or in the professional setting. Um, when you talk about, I would say the most famous to me, the most famous course designer is John Houck. And the reason I say that is because a lot of courses that are designed by him will literally say designed by John Houck. And then there's a lot of phenomenal courses that are designed by him. Nantucket being one of them, which is one of my favorite places to play whenever I actually get the opportunity to go out there. Um, Harmony Benz is one that has been wanting to get on the Silver Series and Elite Series stage. We just keep hitting it in the wrong season. And so it keeps getting flooded out. That's not John Houck's fault. That is just, I think, just weather in general in that area. Mother Nature at that point. But then we also have different um, course designers. We'll take someone like Steve Brinster, was huge in designing the Fox Run, and I think the Bruce Ridge layout up in Vermont for the Green Mountain Championships, two of my favorite courses in the world. Um, 
Avery Jenkins is a world-renowned course designer, does a lot with the Disc Golf Park, and does a lot, actually helps out with the Paul Macbeth Foundation. Paul Macbeth is a course designer. He has two phenomenal courses down here in Virginia that he has personally designed from start to finish, and he's also helped redesign another course around here that is incredible. Uh, and Eric McCabe, notably for the Dynamic Discs Open, has done so much out there. Um, but then you have your local people who are kind of either your local pros, your local MP40 players, or people who just have an incredible amount of land. They find disc golf and they're like, you know what, let's put a course on it. And so they kind of design it in these, you know, different neck of the woods, wherever they are. But they design it very, I, I guess, kind of the conversation of this is going, what do you guys prefer in the course designing? Because I know a lot of courses that is designed more in your local area, designed by your local people, play to that person's strengths. I would say 90% of the time when someone like I could almost tell you who designed a course, like what kind of player they are just by the way that the course plays out. A lot of lefty players will design that kind of slow fade turnover or excuse me, slow turnover shot that slightly bends back. And the people will say, Oh, well it's a righty hole as well. Cause it's just a righty hyzer. It's like, no, it's not because a righty hyzer does not finish right at all. When a lefty backhand, if you throw, let's say a buzz or something, the lefty backhand goes up, goes on turn for a while, and then maybe has enough time to finish out. And those are course designs that enjoyable to play on a casual day, but not enjoyable to play on the pro tour setting. But now that we're having former world champions design courses that are on the pro tour setting, where do you guys feel like we should go in the sport of disc golf? Do we have a person like John Houck, who was never the world's greatest player, but did play disc golf, has a ton of knowledge in it, but has just grown a brand in designing championship level courses or do we go with those people who are like the Eric McCabe's, the Avery Jenkins, who are former world champions in design courses? I mean, it, it really, I'm going to say this kind of like a disclaimer. It all comes down to the piece of property that they are dealt with. Um, I mean, we have places like Eagles Crossing where the property in and of itself is insanely big. And then we have places like um, Waco where it is an elite series event, but it's on a much smaller property compared to some of these other ones. So I guess I kind of want to get the feedback, Evan and Ben, on like, what do you guys look for in course designing? Well, I, I think kind of the initial thought is, is there's a lot of different, like, there's the tour courses, and then there's your local courses. Um, and there's so many different styles to go between that. And I think on a tour level, I want to see kind of, qualified returning kind of course designers who have proven they have designed really well done courses for the pro scene being one exciting and two challenging and kind of just that whole spectrum of what we want to see all kind of different shots. Do I want to see that on every local level? Uh, I would, I would say no. Um, not that I don't want challenging and um, kind of different kinds of shots, but mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse me um but on the local scene you want to see um just a different like you want to see variety mm -hmm. and you want to see like kind of my point being is i want uh, people of all kind of skill levels to have input on or input of knowing what is a good shot for all different skill levels which is really hard to do i really want to see more women designing courses because i feel like we just don't hear about that a lot. Maybe I just don't know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you know, FPO, which this goes to touring. I was just saying local, but I feel like the FPO layouts, we don't hear 
um, a, a ton about them designing a course. It's kind of the design, the course designer designs both, which mm-hmm. maybe they could mm-hmm. be good at designing both. I'm not saying they can't be, but I like, I want to see kind of proven track in both um, types, but then get, getting to the local scene. My point is, I think you want to see a variety. Like you can have one course that you have that's really wooded and that's kind of its thing and that's okay. Then you have another one that's a little bit more open and seeing variety from course to course. What I don't like seeing is kind of, you know, you have one course that's this style and then the next one right next to it is also the same style designed by the same person. Mm -hmm. And then you're just like, Mm -hmm. you just did the same thing, which is like, Hey, that can be cool too, but just more variety, more different kinds of people designing courses, just different shots for all people. If you're a beginner, you go to this course. If you're intermediate, you could go to this course. If you're an expert, you go to this course and not the same style where everyone's kind of got to deal with the same kind of course. No, I get that. Now, Benny, you're a little bit newer to the game than both Evan and I, what do you think? Um, for, for course design, what I'm looking for, I, I can't, I know Kernsey blue book over here is, is an expert (laughs) in, uh, designing a course, but, um, for me, not, not an expert, just to be clear. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he has a lot of input for me. What's important is I think woods are very important to me. I think in a, in a well-designed course, but kind of like Evan was saying woods and open, like Maple Hill mm-hmm. is number one in the world. Um, a lot of it's cause of the scenery, but a lot of it is because just the variety, in my opinion, the variety mm-hmm. of shots that they offer because you go open open woods 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 open like it, it's just it's just really cool um kind of i'm not a big fan of also like wooded shots that are just easy like dump hyzers you know i think mm-hmm. there needs to be i think there's should be like this is a big proponent that evan likes um for should be a beginner layout and a like a advanced layout um if that's possible but if they're mm-hmm. I, I, I just am not a fan of just like more tr- advanced courses that are trying to be more advanced. Um, just going in the woods and dumping a few like hyzer wooded holes and yeah. then like calling it a day and, and thinking it's like fine and cool. But yeah, that that's all I'd say about like course design. I don't enjoy. Um, but other than that, there's not much for me to complain about because like I, I, I I'm not that great. Um, to ben, like complain about Ben, you are good. Ben, ben is a killer thrower, and he's not a bad putter either. He's selling himself <laughs> short. I'm working on it. I'm work. I, I started last year. I shot negative five today at Barry. I just want to say that. Um, felt great. Negative five at Barry. That's, That's awesome. my record. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> but, yeah, must not have been any wind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a tad, but so the, sorry. I'll say this. there's new holes in the woods instead of the big mm-hmm. bombers, Nick. After mm-hmm. four. Um, to like, well, whole whole four. Excuse me, one, two, three, three. and then it cuts whole off. Whole four, four has, yeah, four is a was a dog. Oh, I, I can't swear. Was a horrible <laughs> hole. I, I thought that hole was. I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna do it. That, that hole was dog shit. The no, par the five? par five is a good hole. Oh, okay. par four is the five. one that has two different lanes, so, kind of. Oh, no, yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Whole four. It's a par three. It's a par three. I, I just I think it's a horrible par three. And I'm not saying that, that it, it's too hard. Like I've deuced it multiple times with a forehand and I throw sometimes a fun backhand on it. It's just not a good hole. It's, it's not there very anymore. boring. So there you go. Exactly. It's one of those holes where like, you know, unless you really screw up your drive, that's when you'll bogey it. But for the most part, anyone in the world could take a three on that hole. Pretty simplest, simplistically or simply or anything like that. Like 
it's it's I pretty agree. straightforward it, and but like the rare person with a 400 plus foot forehand will actually do it or if you're someone like simon who can bend a backhand that far can do it yeah and to your but, point hey. there is i think we kind of saw it at the beaver state fling a lot of people enjoy that course a lot but it does struggle a little bit with scoring separation and you can have some holes where either everyone's burning it or it's a little bit out of range and everyone's parring it, which I feel like at the pro level, you don't see quite as much, but on a local mm -hmm. level, I mean, that's one of the points I say is I don't like holes where I land 80 feet short and then I'm super easy layup. And I mean, we talked about the dump and run too, but, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, that kind of idea where it's like, you know, I, I can't, I like it so difficult for me to push the birdie and it's like under 5%, if at all. And I want to see more like, you know, if I do have a great throw, I have a good shot at birdie. And uh, I just think that's important as well is having that scoring separation. Yeah. Just like, yeah. like the, the, just being, being fair, I feel like is, is the biggest thing fair, but challenging. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like I said, I'm not going to talk too much about Barry, but they put from like three on to eight, they put it all in the woods. Um, mm -hmm. So like the other side of the road, um, and some holes were really cool and others were just like, just like you hazard in. So like, I want to, I'm hoping that kind of like with Meadowbrook kind of with the, like their prototype kind of wasn't the greatest, but, and they kept working on it. And now it's, I'd put it top five in mass when before it was just like, uh, like, you know, a fun course, but not like the greatest course, but now they keep working on it. So I'm hoping that'll yeah. happen there. Cause it seems like there's a big, uh, you know, big fan base there or i don't know or people that are supporting it to, no, to them, no doubt. the baskets and all yeah. that anyways i think that's kind of a brief little scare discussion just about course design and what you feel um if you're in the chat right now go ahead throw up what you kind of like in a course design uh one of the courses that paul Macbeth actually designed down here in virginia it's called new london tech park phenomenal course if you're ever in the area um it's technically in New London, Virginia, or Lynchburg, or Goode. It's some one or the other. Goode, um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyways, you go out there, and it's it's six moderately wooded holes. It's six open holes, and then it's six tightly wooded holes, and not all like bunched together. It's like it's got a really really good mixture. It's got you know big fairways on some holes. It's got really tight ones, and then it's got massive wide open shots. Um, so it's super fun, and it's super hard to score on, which makes it even more What's fun. Been your best score there. Uh, that's what I'm um minus two um on a casual score no i'm sorry it was a money round so we played straight up no second shots it was a money round and minus two is my best there um but I, I will say this that was an insanely good round i mean i'm happy with to be honest plus two plus three if i can do that because that means i played pretty clean there's a lot of out of bounds at it in the especially in the front nine okay. um there's a lot of areas yeah, to go I've out of bounds here and there yeah but um, for the most part, I mean, the back nine definitely scores a lot better. I like to shoot a couple down on the back. And if I can stay decently clean on the front, the biggest thing is getting past hole two and hole six on that course. And then hole nine is somewhat tough. Um, but if you hit early on any of the holes, it's like, okay, well, there goes any shot of birdie. Now you just played safe for par. And when you play safe for par, you usually end up bogey. So anyways, the scare discussion <laughs> brought to you. Yeah. Brought to you by Descara. Uh Go to DeScaraDG.com for all your apparel needs. Uh, any tournament directors looking for awesome shirts to work with us in your am player packs or anything like that shoot us an email check out the website to we love it 
that's pretty much going to bring us to the end of the show this week, folks. I've got um, some stuff going on that I need to attend to. I know it's nine o'clock and that feels weird to say, but I got some stuff going on that I need to attend to. So that's why we're kind of, we literally, we can literally talk all freaking night. Uh, one last thing that I actually did want to mention really quick is if you ever want to help support me and help any of my touring efforts and just want to buy some awesome Discraft discs, go to resistancediscs.com. They got a new hot stamp machine. So any player in the world that, is not sponsored by a company and loves throwing discraft check out the zone it's an incredible disc but we have nick carl it's with my dark knight stamp on it um mini stamps for them um, i think there's zone buzzes and scorches go head over to resistancediscs.com if you ever look at my instagram there is uh, an affiliate link that goes on that and uh check out some of my desk if you like the little logo check it out would love for you to buy one take a picture of it put it up on instagram share it on my story and all that jazz um all anyways that, that one's jazz. going straight in the back all that jazz man all that jazz so folks i think we're gonna hit the end of the night thank you to all the sponsors who helped make this show a hap i can't speak right now thank you to all the sponsors who help make this show happen tune in next week we're gonna have another awesome episode we've got you know over 130 people watching right now with only 31 likes go ahead hit that like button we'd really appreciate it thank you for being in the chat tonight ben Evan, you guys killed it. Matt, we hope you're enjoying your vacation. I know you've been in the chat a little bit tonight. But folks, tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Should I go, Ben, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Nice. There you go. See Peace. you later. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.